Hi, my name is Jonathan. I am one of the pastors here at Heights, and we're so glad that you found us online. You know, at Heights, it is our desire to love and lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do that is by posting weekly content at all of the places, on Facebook and on YouTube, on Instagram. We even have our own website where we're constantly posting things as well. If you're checking us out for the first time, you can go to heightschurch.org connect and let us know that you found us. And once again, we're so glad that you're here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 is where we're going to be. Let's get down to business with that. If you'll stand as we uh, read the Word of God. If you're new with us, we do this to honor uh, the public reading of God's Word because we believe it's just that, God's Word. Paul writes this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, picking up in verse 1. He says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the Word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored has happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. Verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. I want you to notice verse 5. But may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. Whether we open that on an iPad, on an iPhone, or Android, or or we hold a paper Bible in our hands, we recognize that what we just read is not the words of Paul, but it is your word that you gave Paul to write. And Lord, as the psalmist says in Psalm 119, that it is your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so, Father, in a shaky world, in a dark world, in a world that right now just seems like it's out of control, we pray for your word to be that light we need, that lamp to direct us on how to live, how to engage people with the good news of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will move within our minds and our hearts today to receive your word as your word, as the authority in our life And help us to obey you, Father. Thank you for this church. Thank you for all that they are doing and attempting to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. You may be seated. Something happened back in March of this year uh, that you may or may not remember. And uh, that picture is going to be on the screen for you. It took place in the Suez Canal. And uh, you guys remember that? Remember that? That's the Evergreen cargo ship. It's 1,300 feet long. It was moving through the Suez Canal, taking its cargo. A, a storm kind of blew it a little bit off course, and it ran aground. Now, now take a look at that, because that sat like that for over a week. And what it did was it blocked all traffic coming and going through the Suez Canal. Now, the Suez Canal is a, is a very important canal, because essentially what happens is that's like the main artery to get things out of the Persian Gulf over into Western Europe, and then also in the Western Hemisphere. So for, for a week, nothing came in and nothing went out of the Suez Canal because that evergreen cargo ship blocked it. It blocked all traffic. You know, when I was thinking about this passage of what Paul was saying, that, that came back in my mind because we as believers in Jesus Christ, we as the church, we're the Suez Canal. I mean, that, that, that's who we are. 
as a Christian, as a church, we're the Suez Canal. What, what is supposed to happen is the gospel comes in you and the gospel flows out of you. All right, so that, that's what's supposed to happen. Things, you know, the word of God comes in, the word of God goes out. It comes in, it flows out. But let me ask you this question. What might be the evergreen cargo ship in your life right now that's stopping the gospel from coming in and going out? What is it? What, what might be the evergreen cargo ship this morning in the life of our church that's stopping the gospel from coming in and flowing out? Because Paul right here in this letter that he's writing to the church of Thessalonica, he's saying really throughout the whole letter, don't be shaken. Even though things seem shaky, you can have an unshaken faith. And so he said in chapter 1 that when Jesus comes back, he's going to reward those who love him and give retribution to those who reject him. Now, last week we saw in chapter 2 that there's coming a day in the, in the future, near future, we don't, we don't know exactly when, that this man called the Antichrist is going to come. And this man called the Antichrist, he's going to rise up and he's going to demand the attention and the worship of the world. And he's going to say, if you don't worship me, there's going to be deathly consequences to that. And even among all that, Paul says, look, you don't have to be shaken because you can stand on God's unshakable promises of his word. And so as he's starting to wrap up this letter, because we see in verse one, he says, finally, all right, so he's kind of wrapping all this up. He's saying right here in verse, uh, verses one through five, simply this. We want to see the gospel speed ahead. We want to be those good Suez canals as a church and as Christians where the gospel's constantly coming in and going out of our lives. So I want you to notice three actions that we're to take this morning right from what the Apostle Paul tells them to do, that we're to do to help the gospel speed ahead. Look in verse 1. It, the first one is this, pray for the advancement of the gospel. All right, Pray for the spread of of the gospel. That's what all of us should do this morning. We should be people that pray for the gospel to spread. Look in verse 1. He says, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. All right, so he says, this is what we ought to do. Pray for the spread of the gospel. Now, I read out of the ESV, the English Standard Version. You might have an NIV. So when you come to the NIV and it says, may speed ahead, your translation is going to say, spread rapidly. Or another translation you might have out there says, run, run ahead. All right, so we want to pray that the gospel spreads ahead, spreads rapidly, runs ahead, runs quickly. All right, so we want to see it go out we want to see it go out unhindered, right? Now, notice also we're to pray for that, but also in verse 1, the reception of the gospel. We want to pray that it is honored as happened among you, all right? So not only do we want to pray it goes out and it goes out unhindered, but we want to pray that it's received well, all right? Because the Bible says essentially this, this formula of salvation. You need to hear the gospel you need to receive the gospel, and by faith, you need to trust in what Jesus Christ has done for you in order to have your sins forgiven. All right, so you want your sin forgiven, you don't want to go to hell forever, you want to be with God forever in heaven, then you need to hear the gospel, receive it, believe it by faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you. And so Paul says, I, I don't want to just pray that it spreads, but I want to pray that it's received, it is honored. It is held on to. It is believed, all right? So this morning, you can do that. Lord, I want to pray that this gospel spreads rapidly and that it's heard, it is received, and it is believed. Now, why do we want to do that? 
Why do we want to do that? Well, let's look again in verse 2. Because notice in verse 2, he says that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. So understand that when we share the gospel, there, there's going to be times that people uh, react hostile to you. Uh, they, they may say something about you. They, they may do something to you. They may text something about you or tell somebody else about what you've done. But he says we want to be delivered from that, but we want to see this spread quickly because the end of verse 2 should make us sit up a little straighter and pay a little closer attention. For not all have faith. You know, in our world right now, it's estimated that there's 1.7 billion people, and that's billion with a B, 1.7 billion people who have little to no access of the Bible. Right? 1.7 billion people in our world that have little to no access about the good news in which we sing about, which we read about, which we proclaim, which we believe in. They, they, they don't know Jesus, and there's nobody really taking that to them right now. 1.7 billion people. In the state of Texas, it's estimated population of a little over 32 million people. In our state, it's estimated over 20 million people, right about 20 million people, are not believers in Jesus Christ. Now, let, let that sink in. The state in which we live, 20 million people are not believers in Jesus Christ. Now, some of you are thinking, wait a minute, this is the South, this is the Bible Belt, this is Texas, aren't we all Christians? No, we're not. I mean, research is showing us over 20 million people are not Christian. Let me, let me bring a little more home to you. In a five-mile radius of our church, 65% of people have little to no church involvement. 65% of people just in a five-mile radius of where you and I are sitting right now have little to no church involvement. And when I say church involvement, I'm not talking Baptist church. I'm talking churches across the board. They're not anywhere on a Sunday morning during the week. Now, now, for some of you, that connects because you're number people, right? And I share those stats because some of you, you like stats, and you get stats. And some of you are kind of like me, and you're like, well, that's just a, it's a stat. <laughs> and, you know, I, don't, I can know it, but, but a stat doesn't move my heart. And so let's remember this. When we talk about those numbers, those aren't just numbers we spout out. Those are people. Those numbers represent people. And so that means this. Those are people that are in your home. That might be somebody you're married to. That might be a child you have, a grandchild you have, a, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle. Those are people that live next door to that you wave to in the morning and you say, man, I hope the Astros win today, right? Those are people out in the restaurant that you're going to go out to lunch and you're going to see people. I, I want you to do this. If you're going to go out to eat today, just, just do this. Just one little exercise, all right? You're going to go out to eat. While you're eating, wherever you're eating at, just stop for a moment and look around the restaurant. Just scan it and just go, I wonder how many of these people are believers in Jesus. If you're going to you know, say, well, I don't eat out, all right. Well, if you're going to watch the Astros game tonight, and they, they pan the crowd, just stop and think. I wonder how many of these people in this stadium believe that Christ Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life. You know, when you go to the grocery store, these are people that are in line behind you. It's going to be your waiter, your waitress. It's going to be the person that's checking you out at the grocery store on the checkout line or, or the gas station person you're going to talk to. I mean, th these are people that are one hard to beat away from being in hell under God's wrath for all of eternity. And so you and I ought to be people that say, let's pray for the spread of the gospel. 
that it spreads quickly, rapidly, unhindered, and it is received well. Well, While we're doing that, Paul says to do something else, because even in this shaky world, we need to be unshaken with that uh, that heartbeat of getting the gospel out. And he says this, remember the Lord is faithful. All right, remember the Lord is faithful. I love verse 3. He said, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. All right, so as we're, we're praying for the gospel to go out, we need to remember something to ground us. The Lord is faithful. So when times seem shaky and hard and discouraged, we need to remember the Lord is faithful. I, I love those four words. Man, I've been just meditating on those four words all week long. The Lord is is faithful. How many of you this morning could go, you know what? The Lord is faithful. Amen? Man, he's faithful. Like, I could tell you, I could spend the rest of this sermon tell you how faithful God's been in my life. I mean, as my family, we've gone through ups and downs and challenges and, and loss, and I've dealt with panic attacks and depression bouts. I mean, I could tell you right now, the Lord is faithful, but I don't want you to take my word for it. I mean, if I walked off this stage and we could call up some people from history, from the Bible, I would probably call Moses up. Moses would just stand right here, and he'd look right out you and say, you know what? The Lord's faithful. You know why I could tell you the Lord's faithful? My people were once in Egypt, enslaved under the hands of Pharaoh. He got them out of, out of Egypt, and then we had to cross the Red Sea. And then I was in charge of leading these knuckleheads, called the Israelites, for over 40 years in the wilderness. And I mean, if you want to know the definition of a knucklehead, just look at those guys, all right? That was them. And we are out in the wilderness period for 40 years. There's times we don't know what we're going to eat or what we're going to drink. But man, God always provided. And I'm just here to tell you, the Lord's faithful. And then Moses would just walk off stage and he'd go sit down over there. And then a lady by the name of Hannah would come up. And Hannah would go, you know what? I just want to start off my time by telling you guys that the Lord's faithful. There's a period of time in my life we, we wanted a, a, a child, but... I wasn't able to have a child, and, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we no matter what the outcome would be, that God is faithful, and, and one day he blessed us with a child by the name of Samuel, so I just want to tell you guys, the Lord's faithful, and she'd walk off stage, she'd go sit beside Moses, and then there'd be a guy named David come up, and David say, look, this guy Samuel that just Hannah just told you about, he came over one day and told me I was going to be the king of Israel at one point in my life, and up to that point, I'm just hanging out with the sheep out in the pastures. I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. But then the king Saul invited me into his court. And he wanted me to play when he got sad and depressed, and I did. And one day, I just realized that the Saul's out to get me, and he's out to kill me. And so here I am. This guy's posting on Facebook about me. I mean, he's texting things about me. He's email blasting all his friends that I'm this evil guy. I'm on the run for pretty much most of my life. I'm hiding out in caves. People are putting me in their basements, hiding me under the cover of darkness. But guess what? At the end of the day, what happened? The Lord proved himself faithful. So I'm just letting you know, God's faithful. And he'd walk off stage and go sit beside Hannah and go sit beside Moses. And then here come a guy by the name of Thomas. And Thomas would say, you know what? I gave up my career, gave up my job, cashed out my 401k, and I, I started following this guy by the name of Jesus. And for three years, we followed this man around. And then one day, he made a bunch of people mad, and they put him on a cross. And, and there I was. I saw him get crucified. I saw him. When they put him in the tomb, I was there. When they rolled the stone in front of the grave, I saw that. I knew he was dead. And so a couple days passed, you know, it was about three passed by, 
And I show up one day, and the ladies in the house run up to me, and this guy named Peter runs up, and he goes, hey, hey, you are not going to believe this. Jesus is alive. We have seen Jesus. And I put my hands up, and I said, there is no way under the sun he's back, because I saw him get crucified. I saw him then put him in a tomb. They rolled that big stone over, put a couple of Roman soldiers. I know the strength of the group, and I've seen John over here, and this guy can't bench press 45 pounds. There ain't no way us, we're taking over these guards and rolling away this tomb. No way he's back from the dead. No, thank you. That ain't true. And then Thomas looked out at you and go, you know what? There was a day that, that Jesus did come back, and he came right to me. And he, he stuck his hand out, and he said, Thomas, I want you to put your hand right where they drove that spikes into my hand. Thomas, you remember where they you know, put that spear in my side? You just put your hand right where they put that spear. Thomas, this is me. I'm Jesus. And Thomas would look at you, and he'd just say, I'm, I'm just going to leave you with four words before I step off stage and, and go sit by David and Hannah and Moses. I'm just going to tell you this. The Lord is faithful. Amen? How many of you can say that this morning? Just put your hand up. If that's you, you can say that right, right along them. Boy, the Lord's faithful. He's proven himself faithful. At, at home, this would be the time you click that little heart button or that thumbs up button if you say that. Man, the Lord is faithful. Look, during shaky times, during times where it's hard, remember that. The Lord is faithful. So we want to be people that we want to see the gospel spread. We need to remember, though, that the Lord's faithful in that call. But also the third action is this, another prayer that we pray for others to persevere in their faith. I want to pray for others to persevere in their faith. We pick up in verse 4, and he says, We have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. So we want to pray for the gospel to go out. We need to remember the Lord's faithful in that prayer, but we need to pray that each other continues on in the faith because Paul says this, we've got the confidence in the Lord that what you're doing, you'll keep doing. And we want to pray, verse 5, here's a specific way you can pray for somebody, that the Lord's going to direct your heart to the steadfastness of Christ. That means you're going to persevere in your faith. See, a lot of times we think about faith in Jesus and how we started our race. But it's more than just how you started and how you came to know Christ. Are you running with Christ? Are you running for Jesus? Will you finish that race? So the marks of salvation is what you believed when you came to know Christ, what you believe now as a believer in Jesus, and how you will continue to carry that belief on. See, the mark of salvation is not just starting, it's running. It's running and finishing the race. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying in verse 4 this, when the going gets tough, the disciple of Jesus keeps going. When it seems dark and it's hard and it seems like evil's winning some days, when you watch the news and you're out in public, when you want to throw up your hands and just say, this isn't worth it, Paul's saying, no, it is worth it. Keep going. This is where you and I need each other to say, keep on pressing, keep plugging ahead. I, I, I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you've got your app open or Bible open, let's just go over there real quick. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes some words that uh, really should stand out to us because we see perseverance in the life of Paul. 
And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says this in verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. All right, now the jars of clay, that's us. The treasure is the gospel. To show the surpassing power that belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, he says, verse 8. But, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And so Paul's saying this. He's saying, listen, I, I know what it's like for hard times, but because I possess the gospel within me, I can keep going, and I want you to keep going. I want you to keep persevering. I want you to keep plugging ahead. You know, there's, um, there's a lot of songs we sing here that I, I love, and, and one of my, my top songs uh, of all times is In Christ Alone. And I told first service, you know, there's times Pastor Matt maybe gets stuck in planning, and he's like, hey, I got room for one more song this morning. I'm just kind of stuck. You got any suggestions on what to sing? I'm like, yeah, I, I know one, like In Christ Alone. You know, it's, it's a good week. He's like, man, we just sang that like a week or two ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a good week to sing it again. Like, you know, like, I, I, I'm good. Like, we, we could just sing it again. Even if we sang it last week, I'm, I'm good in Christ alone. And, and there's a part of the song that I just, I, I, I absolutely love. And, and when, I, when we sing that song, it's usually a part where I put my hand up. And listen, if you're a hand raiser, that's totally cool. Like, if you want to put a hand up when the Lord moves you while you're singing or put two hands up, that's great. Like, I would rather be a hand raising church than a hand sitting on church, okay? So, like, Lord moves you and you put your hand up, great. You know, if you want to kind of, like, carry the TV that day or something, you know, this is your move. Like, that, that's cool with me, all right? And so there's this part that, man, it just, it gets me every time. I just put a hand up, just say, thank you, Lord. Because that part, it says this, it says, no scheme of man, no power of evil, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from your hand. Until he returns or he calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. I love, that's, that's what Paul's saying. Like, there's no power of hell. There's no scheme of man that can ever pluck you from the hand of God. And, and until he returns, until Jesus returns, or he calls us home, it's, it's right here in the power of Christ that we stand. And so this morning, that's the way we ought to pray for each other, to persevere in our faith. Even in shaky times, we can be unshaken because we want to see the gospel spread rapidly. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things I, I pray for for you, uh, many of you by name, when you share some things with me, and I, I pray for you often. There's a lot of things to pray for for our church. And, and, and one, one prayer I often have for our church is, is God, how can we have a greater impact for the kingdom of God. Well, Lord, just how can we impact the kingdom in a greater way than what we can do? And, and, and yeah, I, I love to see our church grow numerically, love to see our church grow spiritually, but my heart's about the kingdom of God. We're not just here to build a local church. We're here to build the kingdom. And so, Lord, how can we have that impact for the kingdom of God? And so, so I, I pray this regularly. And, and back in May, I was praying through this, just, Lord, what can we do to, to see the gospel go? And I, I knew about this point in the year I'd be uh, preaching through Second Thessalonians, and then in December is our, our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And, and the Lord just put something on my heart that I, I emailed out to you guys on Monday, but maybe you didn't get the email or, or you just need a little refresher. I'm just going to go over that really quickly. And, and I brought an idea to our staff and then to this idea to our finance team. 
And then we talked about it in our missions team. We talked about it with our deacons. And, and they took an initial idea that I had, and, and they added to it, and they morphed it into something way better than I could have even imagined. So I'm not going to tell you my initial idea. I'm going to tell you the idea that we all kind of came up with because it was way better than my first one. And so this was something that our staff has been praying about, looking at our mission team, our finance team, and our deacons. But it's called Multiply the Mission. And so what we are proposing is the week of December 5th, so December 5th is a Sunday, everything that is collected through that week starting December 5th, whether you give it here in person, you give it online, you mail it in, that we don't keep any money given to the general offering budget that week, that we give it all away. All right. Now, if you designate money, like if you designate a money to a Lottie Moon Christmas offering that week, then that, that goes to that designated fund because you designate it. But if you say, hey, I'm just going to put a $100 bill in that gray box out there on the way out, we're not keeping a dime of it. That week, we're giving it all away. All right. And, and here's how that's going to work. And here's the idea that kind of our, our deacons, our mission team, our finance team, and our staff came up with of how we're going to break down that offering on that, that general offering for that week. And all that's on the screen. First, uh, we would give 25% of that to our international mission offering. All right, so throughout the rest of December, we'll continue to take the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, but that week, we give 25% of the general offering that we got in to international missions, to Lottie Moon. We want to see the gospel spread internationally. We would take the next 25%, and we give that to our North American missions. That's what we call the Annie Armstrong Easter offering that we take around Easter, and that goes to our North American mission board that helps start new churches throughout the United States, helps revitalize, uh, does disaster relief. Then we would take the remaining 50%, and that would be for things we do locally here that we support. All right, and so that's going to include uh, six things that we do locally uh, that we support the Texas Port Ministry, Southeast Texas Disaster Relief, Pregnancy Center in Friendswood, Way of Life Church in Pearland. Uh, Resonate Church, and Meals on Wheels here in Alvin. All right, so 25% of the general offering, it'll go internationally. 25% North American, 50% right here locally. We're not going to keep a dime of that that week in our general offering. Now, why I say and bring that to you is because that's your decision as a church. All right, as leadership, we're bringing it to you. As a church, you have to make the decision, all right? And why that's a church vote is because that affects our budget. Essentially, we're saying we're keeping 51 weeks of tithe and not 52, all right? We're going to give away a week, all right? And so next week after our worship service in here, we're going to have a special called members meeting, and we're going to ask you to make that decision. And, 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 and I know some of you because you're, you're, the, you're the bean counter in the relationship, all right? You're the budget person. You know, you know, usually one marriage, you know, in the marriage, there's like the saver and then the spender, right? You know, and, that, and that's fine, you know, and, and we've talked about this in our groups. And some of you are already thinking this, can we afford this? Can we afford as a church to give away one whole week of our general offering? Can we do it? Can we afford it? And you know what? That's a fair question to ask. But let me ask a qu uh, answer that with a question. Instead of just asking, answering, can we afford it? Let, let me just put this in your lap. Can we not afford to do it as a church? If there's 1.7 billion people who never heard the name of Jesus, 
20 million people in the state of Texas that aren't saved. 65% of people in a five-mile radius of our church that don't go to church anywhere pretty much on a Sunday morning. It's not really a question of can we afford it. It's really a question of can we not afford to do it. I mean, this is a moment in our time where we've got to say, all right, Lord, do we trust you or do we not? Because here, here's the thing. It, it's not ours anyway, right? It all belongs to the Lord. He's just called us to be a, to be a Suez Canal, right? That, that, that's what he's called us to be. Be a channel, be a canal. It flows in, it flows out. So can we not afford to do it? And so I'm going to ask you to, to be praying about that. Because I, I guarantee this. I bet just all of you right now know at least one person in your life that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. I, I, I guarantee you, know, we, we did this in first service, and we're about to do it here in a minute. I mean, it, it was amazing just to hear uh, what, what we're going to do uh, of all the folks who were like, yeah, I, I know at least one person. I bet you know at least one person, somebody you go to school with, somebody you play ball with, in the band with, you know, uh, somebody that you work with, neighbor, any of those people. I, I bet all of us know at least one person. And so here's what I'm putting before you. If we're going to be people that care about the spread of the gospel, then why not take a step of faith to say, Lord, you've blessed us. Help us just bless others because we want to see the gospel run and your kingdom build. So I'm going to invite you. Let's pray. I want to thank you for joining us and watching today's message. And I want to just go over a quick story with you that's a really important story in the Bible, and it means a lot to me. It's about a man by the name of Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus was a guy who pretty much grew up going to church all his life. And one night he comes to Jesus, and it's late in the evening, and he sits down with Jesus, and he essentially asks him a question. Jesus, how do I go to heaven? How do I get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus responds in John chapter 3 that you have to be born again. Now, Nicodemus asks a very practical question. We all would think, well, how in the world can someone be physically born twice? But Jesus wasn't talking about a second physical birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth, that you have to be born again. See, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that without Christ, our spirits are dead, that we're not able to worship God and love God and honor God. But then when we come to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives, Jesus helps us to be born again. He gives us new birth and our spirits come alive. And so Ephesians chapter 2 again then says, Then by grace you have been saved. It's not a work of yourself. It's the work of Jesus in your life. But listen, that has to be received. You have to receive that gift of grace in your life and believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. And simply put it this way, did Jesus do everything he possibly could do to save you on the cross? Or is there something else out there? Is he the only way or are there other ways? You know, the way to be saved is to say Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And friend, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, Jesus forgives you of all your sin, past, present, and future. And when you die, one day he will take you to be with him in heaven. And so when you think about the wonderful promises of Jesus, I want to encourage you today right where you are to receive them and believe in him. And so if you are ready to do that today, let's just bow in prayer. And I'm going to encourage you in your heart today to mean these words because this is what God says, that when we believe in our hearts that Jesus has died on the cross for us, 
that we can be saved. So would you pray with me? You can simply say, Dear God, today I believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm placing my faith and trust in Him, in Him alone. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and one day taking me to heaven to be with you forever. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Friend, I want to thank you so much today for watching our message and encourage you. If you've prayed today to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, please let us know so we can come alongside of you and encourage you, help you take your next step of faith. You can connect with us at our website, heightschurch.org connect. You can even leave a comment here on this YouTube page. And we'll be in touch with you because we want to just come alongside of you and help you take that next step of faith. So until next time, thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you soon.